two, one. What the fuck is up, buddy? What's going on? Dude, I've been looking forward to this. I know we had to reschedule a couple of times, but I have been very excited for this. Um, I'm sorry that your fucking, your fight had to, like, not happen last weekend. Yeah, that's a whole story. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to talking about that for sure. Well, and you know what, man? Like, so I've I've become a fan of MMA, like, to the point where I'm following, like, who's who's on the top right now, what's going on, mainly UFC. Um, and so I've been watching it a lot more, and after becoming friends with you and paying attention a little more to local fight, bro, I don't remember if you posted it or if it was on, like, your girlfriend's story, but that last fight you had in Colorado, where you fucking mauled that guy? Yeah, if I was your potential competitor, I saw that, like, nah, that's okay. I think we'll spend a couple more, uh, couple more months in the lab before I take on that monster. <laughs> no, that one was pretty funny. <laughs> Because I had been training for this one dude. His name was like Jimmy Lee Turner. I don't know. He was, he, I was supposed to fight him. And my coach sits me down on fight week. He gets me in on Monday. He's all, he just he goes, so come, says, come here. And I'm like, he's all, you know what this means? I'm like, oh, no, you mean someone's pulling out? So he's like, yeah, your, your opponent's pulling out. So we're, I don't know. But we do have a heavyweight for you. Meanwhile, I only weigh 200 pounds. Heavy, max heavyweight's 265. He goes, we do have a heavyweight because the guy from our gym had to pull out due to his, uh, a family member of his passed away or something. So. Oh, shit. And I guess this heavyweight was a local guy, so it was a big fight for the show. And my coach was like, yeah, we feel confident against you. We, I mean, look how you do against our heavyweights. The guy who was supposed to fight him, he's like, look how you do against him. Look how you do against Billy. Billy's Shout out Billy. Billy's a good training partner. He's a 2-0 pro heavyweight. He just fought an LFA and knocked his dude out. I mean, I'm more than, more than do well against these guys, you know, training. And what's the LFA? LFA, it's just Legacy Fighting Alliance. Okay. It's kind of a feeder into the UFC. Okay. But yeah, so he says, oh, you gotta hit, we got a heavyweight for you. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I went up two weight classes, fought on that card. That was fun. Pretty much just, just so, out-wrestled him. So max weight is 265, and you were at the time of you were notified 200. Yes. Did you go up at all, or did you just stay where you're at? Eh, it's hard to gain weight like yeah. that, and you don't want to gain unhealthy weight. I weighed right. in at 201. Okay. So, so and he weighed in at 245, so he wasn't at the max. Okay. So a forty over a 40-pound weight difference in his favor. Explain to people why that's typically not a good idea, to fight somebody <laughs> 40 pounds heavier than you. Well, the power is a big thing, for sure. Man, you get hit by these big dudes, they'll, they'll put you out. I don't care how good you are. I definitely got, I got clipped once in the fight, felt it, but, whew, got a little shaken up for a little bit, but it's, it's, it's normally not smart to go up, but I, given I used to wrestle at heavyweight, like I graduated my senior year of high school, I was 245, okay. I was a big boy, I got all the way up to 260 when I wrestled at Mizzou in college, so I figured I've dealt with heavyweights and I've wrestled with heavyweights my whole life, so it won't be that much of a difference, even though I don't have the weight, and also if I'm on top, it's better than <laughs> don't let them get on top of you pretty much yeah. and so you so you wrestled at the collegiate level correct that's fucking badass how long were you uh missouri for uh about two and a half years okay so that was did, a pretty cool experience got did, a scholarship out there did you okay so how old were you when you were wrestling out there 18 okay how long have you been fighting at that point or any type, type of martial arts or um so i did judo when i was younger for like a few years and then i just started wrestling my freshman year of high school Placed fifth okay. my freshman year, took second, then took back back state championships. But then I got recruited to the University of Missouri. And that was a really cool, humbling opportunity. It went from, yeah. oh, beating up on these, you know, lower level New Mexico big heavyweights to wrestling a guy like Nick Wazdowski. If you don't know who that is, look him up. He's like a three-time world bronze medalist. I wrestled him on 
his senior night when I was 18 years old, and I got, I got a humbling experience my freshman year. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I was a true freshman wrestling a lot of these men. I went from being like 70 and 0 in the matches, like my last two years of high school, to I think I was 11 and 22 my freshman year, getting whooped up a lot by these dudes. It was, a, it was, it was fun, though. I mean, I learned a lot. A lot of, especially at the highest level, a lot of MMA fighters have either wrestling or uh, jiu-jitsu as their base. Are you starting to, as you're going through your fight career, or your fighting career, are you finding that's kind of the rule for a lot of guys is that if you're going to fight, if you're going to do MMA, you kind of need that ground, uh, literally ground level ability to even withstand a cage match? Yeah, it's not like MMA back in the day, you know, style versus style. You got to have everything now. Just like me, I got to be a pretty good striker. I mean, every, these guys are good everywhere nowadays, even at the lower level. But, you know, right. it's, it's nice to have a wrestling background. I mean, you see most of the champs in the UFC and most people that are in the UFC like, or at the top level of MMA, they're really great wrestlers. So what made you want to go from you're just doing wrestling at this point to, okay, I want to actually branch out, not only – have more things under my belt, but I want to go compete in this like specific category of MMA here rather than just because wrestling, like, is there even like a major pathway for wrestling outside of like the Olympic team? The podcast is sponsored by the amazing people over at Chop Chili Company. If you've been a listener to the podcast for a while, you know that I love these guys and their amazing chili. And right now they are running a special offer exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Go online to chopchiliCo.com and use code ONLYKINGS at checkout. And not only will you receive 25% off your entire order, you will also get a free cookbook based on Hatch Chili recipes free at checkout. Like I said, go to chopchiliCo.com and use code ONLYKINGS at checkout. And not only will you receive 25% off your order, you will also get a free cookbook to go with your chili. They are also in stores across New Mexico at stores such as Albertsons, John Brooks, Lowe's, and a bunch more in cities such as Albuquerque, Santa Fe, Tucumcari, Las Vegas, Roswell, Rio Doso, and even Hobbs, New Mexico. And for our listeners in El Paso, Texas, we are in your supermarkets as well. Like I said, go to chopchilico.com, use code ONLYKINGS at checkout for 25% off and a free cookbook. Now back to the podcast. Uh, there's the world team, so 10 okay. spots instead of 6 spots. Yeah, Jesus if you're not God. one of the best 10 in the world, or United States, you're not, yeah. you're not sniffing anything. It's hard, it'll be, it's hard to do that. Was, so, that, was that a lot of your thought process? Like, this MMA is a lot wider, and a lot of people are getting into it now, so it's just kind of everywhere? Kind of. I, I just, I always, since I was young, my dad kind of got me into it. He was doing arm bars on little Power Ranger dolls and stuff <laughs> like that. And he, he, I, I guess it was just kind of embedded in my brain. I knew I wanted to do it for a long time. I just got into it after my wrestling career was done. So Okay, that's sick. So you come back from Missouri? Actually, I, so I transferred from Missouri. I wasn't starting anymore, and I had okay. some... So I wasn't doing great in school out there. I wasn't wasn't in the best wasn't in the best spot. And I transferred out of state my last two years. Did all right there. Uh, didn't get to wrestle nationals. There was the COVID year. So oh, that shit. my last tournament though, uh, I was at the U.S. Open. Uh, that's like a qualifying for to make the world team and stuff. I actually placed I placed eighth at the U.S. Open as all American there. So that was one of my best tournaments. Holy! That was fuck. a at least my last tournament was a pretty good tournament. What was the work up to that like? Dude, I just trained with. The dude, he was uh, our 97-pounder. He was an undersized 97-pounder at Adam State. 
he was he a beast. 97 pounds? No, 197. Sorry. terminology. No, yeah, it, it's been a long day, and my brain went straight to 97 pounds. Is that dude healthy? <laughs> no, no, he's a 197 pounder. I just trained with him a lot, and okay. I went down to sea level because we were at Adams. We were pretty high. We went down to sea level at the U.S. Open. Felt great. Wrestled like freaking seven matches. Felt good. That's badass, It was a good, good little tournament. That's when I got the, I don't have, but the, my USA. Okay. And I'm USA wrestling tattoo right there. Oh, okay. So you leave there. Do you come directly back to New Mexico? Yes. And then okay. I come, my senior year was during the COVID year. So I moved back in with my parents. For, okay. I finished out the school year online. And then my wrestling eligibility was done. So I just, I got a job serving here, actually. I was just serving and I was serving someone. And he goes, where'd you wrestle? He saw my tattoo. He's like, where'd you wrestle? So we just got to talking and told him what I just told you. And he's like, you ever think about fighting? I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I, that's kind of what I want to do. I just never really haven't taken any action on it. He's like, yeah. come to the gym, come wrestle, come wrestle, come with the guys. John Judy's his name. Now he's, he's my coach. He's the wrestling coach for Fit and HB. He's the promoter for all the fight yeah, world events. I went to a, uh, it was a while back. It was before I fucking deployed. Because uh, a buddy of mine used to do boxing there. Not like seriously or anything. He just, he, he just did, kind of fell out of love with weight training for a while. He was like, I still want to be active. I enjoy boxing. Let's go do that. And I went in for a couple of classes there. That's a, at their old location off of uh, Central, or like, no, Lomas and Broadway. So and they're at a third location now. We just moved okay. locations again to a smaller one. No shit. Richmond and Manal, I believe. Okay. That's it's nice. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I remember that being a really badass gym. I yeah. haven't been to the new places yet. It's but, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's just cool, though. John John Judy, he's that's my dude. He freaking just found me, brought me into the gym, and they've taken, Jim's taken care of me ever since. I mean, they've flown me out to New York. I got to see Niagara Falls for free. We'll go fight out there. I've got to do a lot of cool stuff. They put me under cards. I'm, That's sick, man. Yeah. yeah, my gym's taking care of me. I'm not, I'm with this gym forever. They're freaking nice. So when did you find and then start training at Legion? So uh, that was like back in college when I was at Missouri. You know, okay. my friend, do you, did you ever meet Daniel Pettis? I've heard the name. I don't think we've met. He was met. one of Garrett's friends like back in the day. And John okay. Weisgerber, you know John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So both of them, I, I went to high school with them. I played football with them. They're like, oh, I would go back for break. And Garrett would let me go to the gym for like a cheap price or whatever. And I would just go lift. They're like, dude, check out this new place, this sick place. So I would go lift there when I was out of college. So I knew it was the place I wanted to go when I came back. Nice. And then as soon as, as, soon as I got back, we got a, me and Nick got memberships right away. Nice. We, me and Nick actually went through. It's funny. Our weight loss journey, journey is pretty funny. Yeah. Nick was up to 330. And I was like, I was around 255. And we would hit, we called it the quarantine gym. His family owned like a little place and they rented it out to some gym. So me and him would just, and every, all the gyms were closed then. So we lost weight when probably everyone was gaining weight during that time. We, he got all the way down to 220. I'm where I am now, lean. We both got in shape. Then we got a membership in the Legion as soon as it reopened. Fuck yeah. See, I... When COVID hit, I can finally talk about this now. When COVID hit, I had just gotten back uh, from a deployment, but I didn't go straight back to Albuquerque. I'd gone to Fort Bliss because I left uh, country on some medical stuff that happened. And so I'm at Fort Bliss, and it was honestly like, I can't even complain. It was like the best case scenario. I got a room to myself. And I just got to stay there. I was enough to pay fucking rent for anything. And I was getting paid on active duty orders. I was just chilling. But all, but I'd spent, because I mean, including the workup to deployment, I just spent, it's like all of October, November, December, January. And then also five months, I'd spent eating a shit ton of food and lifting heavy ass weight. Like that is the strongest that I've ever been. That is the best. Like, That's how me and Nick got, dude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was just, I was just fucking like 
fuck when i got to fort bliss down in el paso i was it's my heaviest that i've been i was walking around like 193 195 and i mean i liked it because i was finally getting muscle i was getting bigger and then i didn't have to run a whole lot so i was like okay i can do my cardio when it's time to cut weight but i didn't expect covid to happen <laughs> and so the gym's locked down but I kept eating. Oh, shit. <laughs> so then when I got back to Albuquerque in July, that's when I found Legion. And uh, especially at the time, uh, I fell in love with the gym immediately, but that place was not known for their cardio equipment. Nope. <laughs> and like one broken down treadmill <laughs> in the back. Yep. Well, and when I when I started going there, that barely worked. The, the big, like bulky uh, black one. And I was like, you know what? This is a treadmill. There's a bike right there. Fuck it. They work. And that's, that was my cardio. And then, like, the uh, the parking lot across the street, I would just run over there. But, yeah, cutting that weight fucking like, – cutting weight in general sucks. But when you're having to do it – because I'd imagine, like, when you're doing it – when you when you first started cutting weight like that for COVID, did you, like, okay, in three months I'm going to do this? Or is it – The joke was abs by 4th of July. Nice. That's what I just kept telling Nick and <laughs> – we just, um, biggest thing, we didn't even do much cardio. We just ate clean is the biggest thing we changed. I mean, we didn't eat like we we're 300 pounds anymore. Yeah. Because when we were at Adams State, that's, that's when I met Nick at Adams. He, he just did school there. I was roommates with one of his, with his girlfriend or something at the time. And dude, we, he'd make nachos every Monday and we would go bench every Monday. And the nachos he'd make, dude, it was like eight layers of nachos with <laughs> bean, beef, chicken. And every Monday we would eat that and eat like three bowls. After a big bench day, that's awesome. It was. It was. We felt good benching. It was nice being able to bench over four hundred pounds. But like Nick said it was hard to walk up the stairs. <laughs> Dude, I remember when I finally benched two twenty five. But that was like, all right, cool. We've we've hit the second floor. Life feels good, but my elbows were not fucking having it. I can't bench with the shit anymore. So, so I was like, all right, we need to kind of tailor this back a little bit, get my form a little better, but. 400 fucking pounds. Holy shit. Dude, Nick was benching 455, and I got 425 a touch and go. You guys are fucking freaks. <laughs> I was always Christ. a good bencher. It was weird. Even in high school, my dad, I, and he never let me lift weights before high school, but the summer going in my freshman year, he started training me. He's like, okay, this is how you bench, this is how you do stuff. So I think by the end of my freshman year, I was benching 225 already. That's good shit. And then I got 405 as a senior in high school. I was like, okay, yeah, freshman year of high school, you're benching 225? <laughs> I was a good bencher, which is weird because I got long arms. I'm just going to move that. Right okay, my no, you're good. no, you're good, you're good, you're good. So 225 fucking freshman year of high school. I, I was a big bench, and now I could, I failed with 335 the other day. <laughs> I still could. Training, not training for benching anymore, not yeah. heavy training, lifting. What's well, not, how conducive is weight training, like traditional weight training, almost like, like bodybuilding training type stuff? How conducive is that to fighting? It's, I mean, it still helps. You still want to be strong, and you still. going to do that number. There you go. All perfect. right. Perfect. Yeah, no, it still helps to be strong. It definitely helps to be strong. Yeah. But it does not matter how much you bench off your chest. I mean, yeah. if you're tired in the third round and you can't even move your arms, it's, there's, there's no point. Well, so. that, well, that was like, if you ever watch um, if you ever watch old school fights with like Bob Sapp. <laughs> oh, that fucking guy. That dude, juice to the gills. Yeah, juice to the gills. He was like 320 when he was fighting, I think. I could be totally off. No, I think that he was over three, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I know he was over three. Because he was a super heavyweight. But watching that guy fucking fight, it's like he's great for two rounds, but after he just gets gassed. Dude, you see a lot lot with those muscle-bound dudes. Sometimes, like, like, oh, that dude's going to win for sure, and then two minutes goes by, and it's like, he's gassed. It's It's because the body can't uh, deliver that much oxygen oxygen to to all those muscles. Yeah, that's fucking... I mean, not in every case. There's some shredded badasses who can go freaking all day, but... You know... 
I understand, obviously, why the UFC and just why martial arts in general don't allow uh, PEDs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I get it. But a part of me really wants to see oh, just some know what roided I think? out almost, boys. Almost for everything. I wish there was just a tested division and non-tested. Right. Sure, if these dudes want to do it and they're willing to sign, let them. Exactly. That's just like kind of like powerlifting, you know, tested yeah. or non-tested. Let them. Right. Oh, then, well, that's the thing, too, about powerlifting is like, you know, it's all like no one really gives a shit. You know what I mean? It's like how much weight can you lift and like make it? The powerlifting thing that kind of blows my mind, though, is uh, – I know the regulations are different depending on like the organization and whatever it is, but bench pressing and powerlifting makes no fucking sense to me because you have to, as far as I know, and from what friends have told me is you have to like almost let the bar rest for a little bit. Yeah. And then, like you're not allowed to use momentum. Nope. It's like, <laughs> fuck that. That just sounds horrible. Not only with like pressing heavy weight, but like the amount of strain that's putting on your shoulders I couldn't fucking imagine. Yeah, benching for sure killed my shoulders. I haven't benched much any since I tore my pack. That was a... When was that? Um, it was in my dad's garage. Me and Nick were benching, of course. That's <laughs> all we would do. <laughs> we would bench three times a week when we were bored. But yeah, we put on a bunch of weight. We were doing like a 505 with 355 and chains. We were going heavy. And it went... Ah. So I rested it a couple days and tried to bench again, and it popped worse. Dumb, oh, did it like I'm peel dumb. off the fucking... It didn't peel off, so it was probably a grade two tear. I still have a hole. It's pretty nasty. I'll show you sometime. But it's like... Damn. And so how do you... How do you... When you're like training up for a fight... So like this last one, for instance, in Colorado, yeah. right? Um, how does your training revolve around injuries like that? Injuries, you're always... Being a fighter, you're never yeah. going to be 100% healthy. Right. You're never. Like, that's just... Yeah. Your broken toes, your knee bugging you, your elbow hurts, something's gonna be hurting. You just have to find a, kind of find ways to train through it. Do other things. Obviously you're not gonna try to beat the shit out of your leg if it's hurt. Yeah. But you still wanna get work in doing other things. Pretty much just staying smart and talking with my coaches. They they, they know what to do. They've yeah. been around the game forever, so are there these obviously what you you just brought that up like with your coaches, are there like any newer like for instance, again, I'm not the most well versed guy on uh MMA or on fighting or anything, but <clears throat> recently there's been like you've seen a lot more of like calf kicks coming oh, yeah. up right so are, are your coaches like well has there been a time where they're like they go up to you and say hey like this is something that is becoming prevalent in fighting right now or this is a technique that is showing a lot of like um a lot of promise something like that are there like newer like weapons you're putting in your arsenal as like fighting changes over time or anything like that you know what i'm trying to say kind of yeah so the calf kicks kind of New, but not new. People right. don't train it and been around forever, even Muay Thai and all these other It's like stuff. more prevalent now. But it I is guess. more prevalent, yeah. yeah. So not not necessarily. So kind of what my coaches do, if the closer we're getting in dialed into a fight, obviously I'm a great wrestler. I'm going to work on my wrestling game plan, how I'm going to get it to the ground. But once I don't have anything scheduled, like right now I'm going, I'll go work some different stuff with my boxing coach, go work stuff with Tom or Muay Thai coach and go try, like work on my head kicks, you know, go, yeah. go try to learn more things now. But once it gets dialed into closer to the fight, obviously I'm, gonna try to work towards my game plan right and so how much of your like your training camp is studying your i mean provided the motherfucker doesn't drop out <laughs> how how much of it is revolved around uh watching footage of your opponent fight right now zero dude i'm, j yeah. I'm just an amateur right now i'm still not at the pro level once it gets to the pro level and there's a lot of film and footage right now right now i'm an amateur i want to get experience that's why i'm surprised that people don't want to take fights as an amateur like 
dude, all your amateur record doesn't matter. Once you turn pro, it's zero and zero, and it does not matter at all. You never hear about you ever know, know about Sean O'Malley's amateur record. He got knocked out as an amateur, and you've never heard that in your life because no one right. cares. It doesn't matter. You just want experience as an amateur. That's why it's, I don't understand why people don't want to fight. Most people say they want to be fighters. They just want to post on Instagram, post and look cool, and say they're a fighter. <laughs> even every, even people in the fight game are soft. I don't, I don't understand. Well, and talk about a guy like marketability. I don't know who whispered in Sean O'Malley's ear or pointed him in the right direction, like social media wise, but that dude will have a career forever. Oh yeah, forever. Like him, Strickland, obviously, fucking. Uh, uh mcgregor oh like, yeah no one does it like connor connor i'm not i used to like hate on connor but now i realize i'm like damn that dude was just smart he's a businessman <laughs> he's a businessman um when did you find like when did it click for you that fighting is something you wanted to devote your i mean i would say your time but your you have to devote your life to it, yeah you yeah. know what i mean so yeah. when was there like a change for you that happened or was it over time yeah so so i i took my first fight on like a week notice off a four-day drinking bender. I think my coach was – I think I was drunk when my coach called me. And it was against a dude I trained with. He wrestled in college. He was a dude who couldn't get a fight. So my coach calls me, hey, you got this guy, Chris. I'm like, yeah, I know Chris. I'm like, yeah, I'm down to fight. I, I message him. I'm like, hey, cool. If we fight, we'll still be boys after. Actually, we still train together now. He comes to fit and trains Monday. He's supposed to have his first pro fight, but it got canceled. But, yeah, so I took my first fight. Short notice. So I was like, hell, yeah, I'd get better. And I almost – I had him submitted twice in the first round. He got out. And I realized I could barely get off the stool the second round. So tired. I'm like, holy shit. So after that fight, I realized, like, damn, I could be really good if I put my life to this, stop partying, and just train hard. You know, like, I'm pretty damn talented. I might as well freaking use it. And that's what this, pretty much what this year's been about. So I've had two fights this year. I was supposed to have three. The first one uh, was against this dude, AJ Hotchkins. The dude's got a big following on Instagram. He was a former Oregon backer. He was making his amateur debut against me. He had all this hype. Joe Rogan follows that dude on Instagram. Dude's got a big old following. And I was just like, yeah. I mean, I, I took that fight knowing, I mean, there's risks or whatever. But yeah. I took the fight. I wanted to choke him out in the second round. That's what, oh, I just shit. experienced. Like, man, you're trying. I took, it, I took that serious. I mean, I took the camp serious. took the fight serious. No drinking. I mean, three months. Not a sip of alcohol. Diet 100% perfect. Dialed in. And the results show. I mean, when you put in the work, the yeah. results show. So not only in that at a training camp like that, but when you had mentioned a little bit earlier about how when you and Nick were just cutting weight, you just stopped eating shitty. You yeah. really dialed in your diet. How how important is what you're putting into your body to the results you're going to get? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of people miss, no matter how obvious it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's one of the most. I'm now playing. I say that with a bottle of whiskey sitting on the hey. table and some chew, like I mean, different every, kinds of chew. Everything sitting in moderation. <laughs> yeah, everything in moderation. But I, that's one of the most important things, not just for how your body performs. Obviously, you put you, what you put in, you're gonna perform. You're gonna use that as fuel. But just say you're eating a shit ton of inflammatory foods all the time, and then your back's inflamed up and you can't train because you're hurt. You're taking away time from training just because your back or whatever, your knees are inflamed because you're eating all these bad oils or everything that's just in all these foods. Like, yeah, I, was gonna I, can't say- gra- I can't grab a packet of anything without reading the ingredients. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. My, my, girlfriend, <laughs> my girlfriend's like, oh, look, this one doesn't have high fructose corn syrup. Is it good? I'm like, ah, oh, it looks all right. It has sucralose at the bottom. Not the best artificial sweetener, but, you know, not the- <laughs> yeah. Dude, high fructose corn syrup is, like, the fact that that shit is in bread. Like, why? It's cheap. Why the and, fuck is it in bread? Well, they want us right. They want us unhealthy, but not uh, not dead. <laughs> See, and that's the, <laughs> unhealthy well, enough to 
where they have where you have to. I mean, look at big pharma and the way to food. How everything's everything's tied together. You get into that rabbit hole. Well, like, I was about to say, if you want to throw on the tinfoil hat, and, <laughs> and when you look at how okay, well, back in like like the forties or the fifties, um, what's it called? Monsanto, the big sugar company at the time, they paid off a bunch of leading doctors that were publishing all these papers at the time that were like, and they're like, hey, uh, so you guys are going to publish papers saying that fat is the enemy, not sugar. Sugar is good. Sugar keeps you awake. Sugar keeps you moving. And you're going to publish that. Here's all your money. Have a good day. Yep. And then now it's like, well, no, there is, because I remember growing up as a kid and the big thing was no trans fat, no fat, no. Right. No trans fats for sure. That was the big thing. And then uh, coming out of the 90s, that was a huge thing. And then it was just fat in general. Like, you need to have low fat this and low. It's like, no, there are. They're like lean meat. It's like, no, beef fat's one of the best things for you. Like, yep. <laughs> like, there are good fats, like beef fat, butter, egg, um, fucking egg yolks Hell and stuff yeah. like that. I'll like, go the, cook a ribeye with a bunch of beef fat and throw grass fed butter on it. It's one of my best meals with a bunch of eggs. And the attack on eggs is funny too. They're high in cholesterol. It's like your brain is made of mostly cholesterol. Exactly. Well, and it's funny, like, when people bring up the cholesterol argument, I'm like, okay, um, where do steroids come from? Like, what are they derived out of? Like, what do you, like, you know, the things that make the body work better in moderation. I'm not talking about fucking, like, trend or anything crazy like that. But, you know, the general PEDs that, uh, that are banned because they make athletes so much better. What are steroids derived from? Cholesterol. They are literally made in a lab from cholesterol. That's where steroid, like, the steroid and steroids, that's where that shit comes from. So when you, <clears throat> I hear that same thing too. It's like you should only be eating egg whites. Like egg whites are fucking great. The yolks, some of the best thing for you, best for your brain. That's where all the everything. vitamins are, all the nutrients. Like, granted, I haven't had breakfast in a very long time because I'm fucking, I've been lazy with my diet when it comes to breakfast specifically. But one of my favorite breakfasts to eat was four whole eggs with five egg whites, some oatmeal, and if I can get some like, yeah, if I, it's like a Saturday morning, I cook like half a steak with it yeah, or it's just something like that to get a lot of protein with a little bit of complex carbs. I feel fucking amazing. So great. I feel amazing after. Um, what, what foods do you find in your diet are most, because I mean, it's all relative to the person, obviously. Yeah. That's why stuff like, you know, carnivore diet works amazing for people like Jordan Peterson yeah, and his yeah. daughter, but then for other people, it'll fucking really hurt them. Um, what foods, generally speaking, do you feel put your body in that inflammatory state? And how do you know you're inflamed? Like, I feel like it's something that's okay, kind of goes so over people's thing, heads, too. <laughs> one of the biggest things, I used to eat Chipotle every day for lunch. Like, oh, they're pretty healthy. I Look fuck at all this. with Chipotle so I hard. You, I love Chipotle. It was, this, was a hard, this was a hard one for me. So I, would eat, I was eating perfectly clean during my, last, my first fight camp this year against the Hodgkins dude. And I, my back had been killing me. And it felt like I had a ball. And I ate chipotle every day for lunch but i was eating clean and i'm like i don't understand what it is and we kind of did more research into it uh, chipotle uses rice bran oil in their in their rice and they put cups of it so it's the highest amount of inflammatory oil rice bran is pretty much like canola oil think about how you get how would you get oil from a rice chemicals spray all kinds of nasty stuff and that stuff they throw piles of it in their rice and i, I could tell like bad oils inflammatory like if i'm eating a bunch of sweets or bad. Anytime I eat really bad, I definitely go over the top when I eat bad because I go months of eating perfectly clean. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll go eat like 20 cookies and then a pie and I'll, I'll eat, and I could eat ridiculous amounts. It's it's gross. <laughs> Have you had the Legion Linguini at Sajos? I did two of them in that 13 is... minutes. Fuck. <laughs> oh my God. So for people who don't know what this is, first of all, it's the only thing I order now at, so at Sajos. 
It's the only, and the reason that it's only that I like their other dishes and their pizza. I fucking love awesome. their pizza, yeah, but I still get that. But for the money you're spending, you can spend like because it's got a little little pricey over Saggio's. Everything you spend like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen dollars on whatever pasta, right? And you're gonna get five and a half, maybe if you're lucky, seven hundred calories around there, and you'll be good. Or you spend like 16 and some change, might be 17 now, and you get over 1,000 calories. Isn't it 2,000, I think? I thought it was like 1,000, like, like 1,075 or some shit. Maybe, you could be right. Maybe I was thinking 2,000 with both dishes. Yeah, with both of them for sure. Oh, God, yeah. So one of them is just like, it's a little, a little over 1,000 calories, 118 grams of protein, 60-some grams of fat, shit ton of carbs. And it is, well, I remember... Garrett was actually telling me this. I guess when they first made that uh, dish, when they first put it together, it would come out in the cast iron. But too many fucking meatheads showed up ordering it at the same time, and it broke the conveyor. Oh, shit. In the, I didn't know that was why. Yeah, in the in the kitchen, they because they would just load it up. They'd be like, okay, sounds good. So they've got like, I guess they had like four or five uh, of these dishes in the cast iron uh, pots. But as they were going through the conveyor oven, the oven broke because of all the weight. So they put it out. I don't know how they make it now, but when they bring it out, it's in this giant. I mean, I get always used to get it to go. And when you're holding that box, it's like fucking 10 pounds. It's like seven, 10 it's pounds. It's heavy. So, so you eat two of those? I ate two of those in 13 minutes. I, I actually live streamed it on Serena's story when I went. Because <laughs> <laughs> the first time I had, I had one and then we were drinking beers and it was for Garrett's birthday or something. Yeah. And then Garrett goes, I'll give you 300 bucks. Or I ordered a calzone, and he's all, I'll give you 300. I already finished my calzone. He's all, I'll give you 300 bucks if you eat that, too. I'm like, no way. Okay. I ate it, drank a couple beers. And he's like, no way. And I'm like, only send me 100. It's your birthday. <laughs> but And then so we wanted to eat two of them, so we planned a day where I could go eat two of them. And I, dude, I crushed it. Jesus Christ. My, my poor girlfriend, she has to cook so much food. <laughs> <laughs> and especially, especially when I'm working out a lot. Working out a lot, I, I could eat a lot. Yeah. She, we have like serving, like cooks enough for a family because we eat for lunch and dinner. I mean, for dinner that day and lunch the next day. Yeah. Just saves money and you know what you're eating, eating healthy. Exactly. So right. we do that every time. She's like, I don't understand how you eat so much. <laughs> we cook like giant, like the 13 and a half inch pan plate full of food. And then that'll be for me for dinner, her for dinner. And she eats a tiny little bit, you know. <laughs> and then for me for lunch, and then her for her for a little bit for lunch. <laughs> That's fucking awesome, dude. Holy shit. Um, so, okay, so back to, so you're saying with Chipotle, they had all this uh, rice, bran oil. rice bran oil. Look into it more if you, yeah. It's, so is it mainly just the really bad oils when bad you eat them? Bad oils is probably the biggest thing I notice yeah. in my back. I have a weird back. My back would flare up and go weird sometimes i was gonna say like, probably because i was dirty bulking 100 of my life and just eating like shit trying to be a heavyweight when i'm not really a heavyweight frame right even though i'm pretty big i'm not 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 really a true heavyweight frame what what are like your symptoms i guess when you what are the symptoms you start showing when you're like oh shit i think i'm eating a lot of bad shit i'm starting to feel inflammation like what does that look like for you what does it feel like for you mm-hmm most most of my back and hips getting really tight, and I notice okay. more in the back. But you could like, I don't. I, I it's weird how you I can actually feel it because I've noticed when I go 100 percent clean, damn, I feel healthy. I feel good, other than like broken toes from kicking people and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> that stuff happens. That's yeah. The body stuff you can control. That 
It makes a huge difference for me. You just, just so clean. you just feel like looser. You feel like a, like a better oiled machine when yeah. you know that the fuel you're putting inside. Is oh, for just, sure. That's it's so important. Just that's, operating at 100. percent That's one of the biggest biggest things is eating eating well. Well, as I like, I kind of noticed it when I turned like 24, and then certainly 25, and now I'm 26. I'm starting to feel like the food that I put in my body. So this is obviously fucking drink a bit. It's gonna fuck with my brain, but. Um, the food I put in my body, it starts to mess with my brain function. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm yeah. not as sharp. I'm not like I can't focus enough. Like I'll never eat uh, before a podcast. Oh, ever. Like I might, I might have like a little drink. I might, and if I am gonna eat, it might. It's just something super something. It's like soup, like fruit or some shit like that. Like Costco. They have now put out my favorite drinking food ever, and it's so fucking simple, dude. It is literally, it's a platter, like a giant like platter about that big, and it's two types of grapes, strawberries, and two kinds of cheeses. Costco's a shit. Oh, bro, <laughs> bro. But like, like, I've got that in the fridge, right? So I might have like a little bit of that before I do a podcast if I'm super hungry. But if I eat like even like a regular sandwich, I'll sit here like... Maybe that's why I'm kind of dumb all the time. I eat all the time. Just <laughs> but I just, I just noticed that. But I, I'd imagine if I eat like something like light, like if I eat some eggs, probably if I even eat like a little bit of steak, something like that, it won't affect me too much. But I feel like if I eat too many complex carbs, or if I eat like something like, like a, like oh my god, if I ate like I haven't done it before, but I'm if I ate like some fucking Chiba Hut, I'd be down for the count. Oh, you know what I mean? I swear, like, oh fuck. Chiba Hut is a they're starting to branch out into like the local entertainment stuff. Like they had they hosted the slums for a show oh, like yeah, like like two or three months ago. It was a little fucking thing. It was funny. Yeah. I like, make it to most of the shows, but I missed that one. It was a funny little thing, dude. But now that they're starting to branch out and do more of that, I'm kinda looking at them for a sponsorship. So Chiba Hut, if you're watching, that'd be fucking sick. Hey, um, I'll, I'll eat five of your subs in under fifteen <laughs> minutes, Chiba Hut, for a sponsorship for Noah. Just kidding. <laughs> That's called commitment, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Five, that's a lot. <laughs> so, oh, fuck, that's my, that's my train of thought. Um, okay, so when you are in prep for a fight, um, what is the like the last 48 hours before your fight? What does that look like? How are you sleeping? How are you – what does training look like? What is your – like? because I'd imagine a lot of your lifestyle in general is mobility, obviously, but like especially like make sure – that your mobility's intact, that you're sleeping properly, proper amount of water, because you're having to cut. How much weight are you typically See, cutting? I actually haven't had a fight at my actual weight class. I'm, I'm fighting okay. at 185. Yeah. I've had guys pull out. I've had guys yeah. fight at that first fight this year, fight at 195 because he couldn't cut to 185. Okay. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm just down to fight. That's why I, okay. people are saying, just turn pro, try to get a fight. I'm like, I still need, I need more experience. But I want to actually have a couple of fights at my actual weight class before I turn pro. Right. You know, I want to cut, have a good cut, have a good good camp, good cut, weigh in, and see what I fight at 185, you know? Because, I mean, you never know till you know. I'm sure I'll, I know I'll feel great, but right. you guess you don't really know till you know. I want to do it. Well, I mean, that, and then you, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it too, but I've just seen these fucking videos of these pro fighters that are, like, going through terrible weight cuts. Like, oh, my God, who the fuck was it? Um, I think it was Amanda Nunez. There was a video that came out of her out from her like two years ago, maybe, maybe two and a half, where she's in a hotel room having to cut weight. And she's just wearing like the like just her UFC like bra spandex and she's laying on the ground. And her team 
are laying these like hot towels all over her just to get the water out and get all the, like, the salt out and shit like that. Yep. So, I mean, hopefully you never have to do anything fucking crazy like I, that. I don't think I'll have a I mean, you definitely have to lose water weight when you cut, mm-hmm. and that's what most mostly you'll be losing. But I'm not cutting a ridiculous amount of weight. Say I walk around 200 or 205 yeah. right now. Cutting to 185 won't be won't be a problem. But just, and I think I'm big enough for 185 too. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I don't it, think it's a ginormous cut for me. Right. But then also knowing that you're able to do it. Yeah, I like, still want. Yeah, I want to do it to know that I. I mean, I haven't. I know I can, but yeah. I just want to do it. I want like one or two fights at least at my weight class. But well, and that was we'll the. See. And honestly, it all depends up to my coach. They'll talk about the pro stuff and when I'm ready. But. I know I need more experience first. No, and that makes perfect sense, man. And that's like that's the big thing that I had learned when I did my first and probably only uh, physique show was like I now have the ability to do that. Like I have the ability to cut weight, well, to lose weight in the first place, but then to cut it to an extreme level like that. Yeah. It's like okay, I, I I have that in here somewhere. You know what I mean? To make the actual weight class. Yeah. yeah. So you said a little bit earlier. Like turning, like just just turn pro. How do you go like from the amateur to the pro level? Is that like I pretty much you sign a pro contract? I think it's I don't actually I don't know the exact truth, but I know it's pretty easy. You just sign yeah. a pro contract and you declare yourself as pro. Then you get paid. To, it's a bunch of stuff. It's stuff my coaches will figure out for me. That's good. <laughs> there you go. Less thinking for me. <laughs> I, that's fucked, dude. That is, I think, the most like pure way to approach any like how like. Not, yeah, I guess you could say art. Yeah, any like art or like entertainment pr- uh, prospect or just like something that's so like out in the in the void. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like a to the average person. It's not an not an easily attainable thing, right? It's not like you went you go to college and you get a nine to five job to be a fighter. You know what I mean? You have to go through all these unconventional shoots and ladders to you find a coach and eventually you find a manager, you find a great gym you love and you keep showing. And then you're having, I mean, and you, you can't just live your, live uh, a fighting lifestyle nine to five Monday through Friday. Yeah. And I mean, you, sure. I work 60 hours a weekend. I train to fight. You can find a way. Exactly. I'm not the end all be all fighting. I think I could be great. I think I can make it to pro level UFC. I, I know I can. I, I've trained with guys there. I'm, I know how good I am. I want to show it. But I'm not banking on that. You know, you can't bank on that as a damn career. You right. could get knocked out anytime and you're injured and your career could be over. You can't bank on that for your whole life. Well, wouldn't you but to counter that, wouldn't you almost have to become obsessed like that? Oh, I'm like, I'm obsessed. I mean, I make I work I wake up at five AM, I go to work for ten yeah. hours a day and I go to practice after. My girl picks me up and we go get a lift after to train too. So I get double workouts every day still and we make oh, it yeah. happen well no, so let me rephrase that because because i know how much you love it um that's that's not the question i guess what i'm saying is like um okay so you like you hear i mean i think one of the best versions of this is fucking francis and Ghani. that dude's story oh, is insane yeah. right so because you know i i never um i ne- the most like combat sports involvement I've ever had is like I did boxing for a little bit but I and I loved boxing never actually went out and had a fight or anything like that I was just like in the fucking boxing club in my college and it was a great fucking time loved sparring loved working out and it was actually my buddy who coached me through my physique prep uh he's a boxer as well as a bodybuilder and he was like half your cardio is gonna be boxing workouts and here's why and I was like sounds good and um but I remember, like, at the time, and I was thinking, yeah, maybe I could box. This is a lot of fun. But then I just, A, see everyone else who's better than me. I was like, oh, fuck. And then I think about 
all the people that go into fighting, they're like, this is all I have. This is all I'm planning on. And that's, I would, that's a good point. And, and I would never advocate for delusion. You know what I mean? It's like, now obviously I'm not going to equate fucking boxing or uh, combat no, it's, sports. It's similar. It's combat well, sports. I'm, well, I'm not going to equate like combat sports to like like podcasting or stand-up. Those are two very different things. But like in the same token that I'm not going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to put all my money in this, dev- devote all my time to this and make my money. It's like, ugh, that's not, it's that's delusion. not financially responsible Yeah, yeah that's either. delusion, like, right? <laughs> exactly. It's not financially responsible. But but then back to my original points, like I guess the point I was trying to make was I think about all these people and even now, I think all these people that go into fighting, like this is all I do. I make just enough money to do this. The owners of the gym are letting me live here. And I'm just going to only do this. Like, uh, and those dudes are dangerous. Fuck. And those dudes do come. There, you do see a lot of stories. But I think that's not, that's not the only way yeah. to success. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, you don't, guess you don't hear about the guys who did that and did nothing. And, and you don't right, ever they, hear about those guys. Cause, well, exactly. And, and you bring up a good point, though. Like, there are guys who could have been great, who were great at whatever level they were at. But they had that one fight. They made one mistake. Got their lights turned off one time, and they were just never the same again. Yeah, yeah. You ne- well, you never know what could happen. Exactly. Yeah. It's fun. I freaking love it. I mean, I do. It. I mean, shit, I'm an amateur. <laughs> I fight for free. I, I, I love getting in a damn cage. It's so fun. And, and you bring up a good point. Wouldn't if you are serious about fighting, wouldn't you want to take as long as it's safe for you, right? Because you can't have so many fights in a row. But wouldn't you want to take every opportunity to fight that you're given? To not only, you know, put your name out there, get on a card, get in a fight, but I mean, you can hit a bag and you can train and you can spar and you can do everything you want to get you ready, but you're never going to really know how good you are until you step in a cage, right? Yeah, and it's you could do all the training and all the sparring against all the best people in the world, but until you're locked in there by yourself, it's a different story. It's it just feels different. Like each time it feels a little better. Each right. time it feels a little more comfortable. But it's still different from training. You could train as hard as you want, and the training does get you ready. But once you're locked in there, it's it's, it's a different story. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking. That's so awesome, dude. And like it makes, but that makes sense. It's like how else are you really gonna? You, there's no other way to gauge how good you are at your practice. Yeah, because there, everyone's a practice human hero, right? Like, I could talk about how good I am and how good against, I've done against all these people, but it doesn't matter unless you go out there and do it. It does not matter. Exactly. <laughs> and, dude, I was saying, man, that, that last footage that I saw, I just remember that at the very end of the fight, you got that dude on the ground, he's like, boom. <laughs> but I was like, I was like pulling the phone, like, further away from my face. It's like, oh, my dude, God. That dude had a chin. He took some shots. <laughs> I landed some elbows on top. I boom. <laughs> oh, that's fucking crazy. So... You mentioned you work over 60 hours a week. Obviously, you have to say where you work, but you're a fucking like, sheet metal worker or something. Yeah, shit yeah. Like that, I, work right? on, I work on base at San Diego Labs, but I work for a subcontractor, Brecon. So. No shit. So, what is a daily schedule like for you? Because how do you fit in? Because, like, again, I remember it was like just a couple of days ago, I think, when you put up that post, like you're just going to stay in shape until it's time to yeah, fight. Stay ready you can... so you don't have to get ready. Exactly. So, what is your like daily routine looking like to keep yourself at the condition you want to be in? Yeah, I wake up at five, make coffee. My girl, a lot, lot of help from my girlfriend for sure. She does a lot for me, especially getting me ready for fights and everything. So I get up, I go to work. I actually drive to my dad's house in the morning, and then he drives the company truck to work. So I work for him over there. It saves me so much money on gas, especially driving from. I live all the way in the west, southwest by Trisco. Yeah. Driving to the base every morning saves me a lot of gas. He drops me off at practice, so I owe thanks to him and a girlfriend. She picks me up. 
after my first first practice, and then we'll go hit the gym together at Legion. We'll go get a good workout together. And she writes all our workouts too. So she, she everything oh, we do, shit. she writes all our workouts. She does she does a lot for me. So it's pretty it's pretty badass. I'm blessed to have her. But yeah, I'll go get those two workouts. Like so Monday Mondays I keep it easy. We just go. I wake up for work, go to jujitsu, and we do uh, like five nine-minute rounds of just straight hard rolling as hard as you can. So a good 45-minute, good Monday roll. Tuesdays, it'll be our wrestling and MMA sparring day, and then my girl picks me up after that, and we'll go get a lift, and it's similar throughout the week. And then oh, Saturdays, if I don't, I've been working most Saturdays, but Saturdays, if I don't work, I'll go spar, and I'll go drive, go spar, and get a lift in, or just just same shit, lifting, <laughs> mostly, mostly working out. That's most of your life, making dinner. <laughs> We take turns making dinner, so two nights or three nights, I'll make some, then she'll make some, and we just bring it for lunch the next day. So it's a time crunch, yeah. but we get home like 7.30, 8, make dinner real quick, eat, shower, get ready for bed, on to the next day. That's During the weekdays, like if you talk to any of my friends, do you ever see me out on a weekday? Even when I'm drinking like and not in camp mode, like I will not be out on a weekday no matter what. It's like training day and work day, there's, there's yeah. no time, there's no time for anything but that. Well, it's ex- it's extreme time management. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like time crunch. It feels like sometimes, <laughs> but especially working the Saturdays, like. Ah. Is that has that always been a part of your life? Having a strict routine, having a very like dialed in way of living your life, or is that something you had to so, evolve over time? Kind of, I've definitely evolved it over time, because I definitely didn't do a lot of things right with my college wrestling career. I know a lot of things I did wrong, like didn't go, did not commit to the classroom as much as I should have. Then it kind of all stumbles down from there. Like you listen to the coaches saying that, and you're like, "Yeah, whatever." But then you look back and hear them all saying that stuff now. It's like, "Damn, I should have listened more. I was dumb." But I mean, you could do it now. Right. There's, there's not, not, it's never too late to commit yourself 100%. I know I have talent, and I know what I have. So it's fun. It's fun putting it all together. What do you think were the, some of the bigger lessons you learned while you were in college? Now, obviously, it sounds like you kind of learned those lessons after the fact. But looking back on it, because you already went through those experiences, like, okay, I zigged here when I should have fucking zagged. And I kept making that decision. Um, what were some of those like learning moments for you that you look back on? Yeah, my dumbass would like skip class because I was lazy, because I was tired. I mean, and now it's like, oh, I can't miss work. I have bills to pay. You have to go and wake <laughs> up at five. You have to go. Then you're like, yeah, I don't have to. And but really should have then. But it's I think it all worked out well. Was, every everything's worked out pretty smooth. So no, yeah, just that's... got to learn without super harsh lessons. But yeah, that's that's nice. Well. And that's something that I, I mean, I would say I struggle with it because, like, I, time, time management was something that I learned going to fucking military school and shit. You had all that pretty much handed to you and you just follow the routine. But, um, like, especially now, like, well, a few years ago when I left military school, I graduated college or my associate's degree and I went to UNM for a little bit, dropped out four times, three times. Uh, <laughs> hey man, I've went, I've been in college for five years and I still don't have my degree. So, <laughs> um, but it was so strange, like going to a regular college and then just seeing like how unstructured it is. Cause it is like, you need to build your schedule. You need to do things the way that fits your lifestyle or whatever it is. And, and it's like, holy shit. Yeah. If I don't go to class, nobody gives a fuck. There's like 500 people in this class. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. And we were even lucky. I didn't use the resources I had at Mizzou. We had tutors available. We had people set our schedules to set up what we had first dibs on classes as being an athlete out there. We had, I did not use what I should have. I learned a lot there and learned from my mistakes a lot, but. It was still a super fun experience out there. Super right. awesome wrestling. I mean, for a big old school, they're in SEC. Get to use their athletic facilities. It was it was badass. Yeah, how was that? That would have been Dude, a fucking was, trip going out there. It was insane. It was I mean, especially wrestling for like in New Mexico. 
and then going to wrestle for they had actually won the national duels before that season so they were like a top they were ranked number one in the country they're top five in the nation going to wrestle for a school like that and with all those facilities and then with them being the sec in football and basketball and stuff right we get to use those facilities we get to go to every home game free we have like free breakfast and lunch a dining hall. They make us whatever we want. Fuck Dude, we were, yeah. We were, we were spoiled. And we, I, I guess we didn't realize it. And I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have then. But still really cool looking back. Cool I got that opportunity. That is one of the biggest yeah. takeaways that I've had, like, unfortunately, in retrospect. But fuck, dude. Because going to military school, it was four years of high school, two years of college. And I lived there the whole time. Same thing. Three meals a day. Granted, wasn't the best food. Uh, at all because the company the company that provided that they do a lot of colleges uh it's called Tedexo but they also provide school for the prison or food for the prison and I learned I think it's like my fifth year there I think uh I learned from one of the administrative staff that like the the meal plan that they buy for the school was like I think two steps ahead from what the prisons got <laughs> so nice. it was like it was like barely enough to keep you alive but you really had to like pick and choose where it's like, okay, this is actually going to sustain me. This is a lot of bullshit. This is, you know what I mean? Hey man, that's a lot for college kid. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the way it was funny, it was like, like my buddy, my buddy who had ended up training me for my, for my competition, he, he had been bodybuilding before he showed up to the school and he came as a junior in high school. And so it was funny like when watching him like eat breakfast, right? If he didn't like the way they were making eggs or they didn't like the – because it was all like liquid powdered eggs and shit like that, he would take like six hard-boiled eggs, cut out the yolks because they had been sitting there for so long, and then he'd get like cottage cheese. Like It was like this – and it looked like like not a real meal to, 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 to the layman, you know, but it's like, nope, I've got my protein here. I've got my carbs here. I've got my extra protein source here. I've got that, 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 that. It's like, okay, yeah, this dude's about that fucking this dude, life. This dude's about it. But then, you know, you still had three meals a day. You had a gym. You had full. Like, we had a fucking badass gym with Olympic sized pool, fucking basketball courts, racquetball, all this cool fucking shit. And I never realized how fortunate we were to have all of that. And then when now it's like, no, it, you got first of all figure out your own food. <clears throat> now you got to pay for a gym membership. You got that, and then the gym's fifteen to twenty minutes away. It's not a five minute walk. You know, that is a lot of shit that I look back in retrospect. I'm like, it's like, damn, if I would have used that right, I would have been an animal. I mean, I <laughs> well, still was training and in shape, and obviously yeah. we had to for it. But this could have been, if I had my diet right, if I had my head right, I could have, mm-hmm. could have, would have, should have. Don't well, matter. It don't matter now. Well, but remember, <laughs> it was cool going, cool looking back. Yeah. Well, I just, I just remember back then I was, uh, I, I was a skinny. I've always had like a, like the smaller frame, but like I was just a skinny fucking guy. Like leaving high school or graduating high school, I could not break 147. I just couldn't do it. No matter how much food I ate, no matter how much, it was just, I was like a garbage disposal, bro. I think I was that in like first grade. (laughs) 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 I was a big boy. Dude, I was like 6'1 as a freshman, 6'1 and a half, and I I mean 6'1 and I barely grew. Yeah. Like 6'2 and a half now. So So. what what do you do to like, because I get having a busy schedule, right? And, uh, I mean, you're doing things that you love. Like you, you have to fucking love it, right? Yeah. No well, one's yeah. forcing. No you one's to... forcing me to go get punched in the face. It's yeah. just pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> you're fucking. We're doing less of the, We're doing less of the getting hit. We've been working on and hitting, but. <laughs> so, like, what are you doing in your like? What What is your the little time you have your free time? What are you doing to fucking decompress? Like, what shit that you enjoy doing outside of training? 
man, we're dude, we're so busy. Me and my girl, we don't we do we do a lot. We go travel. We were actually going to Vegas this weekend to celebrate. It was supposed to be for after my fight and just kind of the timing wise, but. We're going to Vegas. We go I and mean, we go to shows. Yeah, I, mean, I see you at shows all the time. We see you at any metal show there is. <laughs> we go to that. This is true, dude. Bullet was so badass. Bullet was Bullet was amazing. Of mice and men too, dude. I I still was a little disappointed. No, you 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 came in with your mind made up on that one. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I was no because here okay. So the new singer, well, new like the current singer. He's not yeah, new. Yeah. He's been around for a while. I love his shit. And him singing his stuff, pretty good, pretty good. Um, I I think uh, he killed OG Loco. He sounded, I think he sounded fine on that. I was shocked how good he sounded on Second and Sebring. I was shocked. He sounded like Austin. That was, that was I, good. I was thoroughly surprised. But yeah, some of the like, uh, what was the first one they did? Uh, Bones Exposed. It's kind of underwhelming. That one was probably my least favorite song on the set. And that's one of my favorites, period, from that uh, band. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, so, I guess if they ruin, not ruin, but don't yeah, live it, up on your favorite song. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't know. Something was missing. Would You Still Be There? I've never been a fan of that song. I love that song. That one was good. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, all the shit, they, I wish they did something. Because I'm a fan of, uh, uh, I think it's called Earth, Wind, and Sky, that album. I really like that one, and I really like... Um, Oh, it's the fucking album that has uh, Defy on it. Um, it's like the brown, like bronze cover. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, dude, I, I hate pulling out my phone during a podcast. Oh, you're good. But it's going to fuck It's going to bug you? Bug me if I can't remember this name. But I love uh, some of the first stuff he did with Of Mice and Men. But yeah, I just... I Oh, the album is called Defy. I'm stupid. Oh, yeah. So Defy, Earth and Sky, I love. Wasn't a huge fan of Echo or Tether. Um, they have oh, a couple yeah. of good songs on it. Yeah, I like I like what song do I like? Obsolete was such a good yeah. one that they did. That was one of the better new ones. Newer I agree. ones. But dude, fucking bullet for my Valentine. So slaughtered. They, they were amazing. Yeah, but do we me I mean, I have a lot of stuff. I have a big family. I go see my family, go watch football with my dad. Me and my girl go to concerts. We I mean there was one week. It was four weeks in a row. I think we went to it was Kazo, Bull for My Valentine, and Jason Aldean. So maybe three. We're three weeks in a row, three different concerts because we all. I mean, we like every genre of music. We just like go and listen to music. We go. I mean, you see us out at slum shows. We go to. I mean, we have people over for fight nights. That's that's one of the main thing. It involves fighting that we do all the time. <laughs> she always asks, "Oh, it's Saturday. Who fights tonight?" And so I'm like, "Okay, yeah, we having people over." I'm like, "Yeah." So we have people over for fight nights and Saturdays. That's always fun. Even if I'm not drinking, I have people over. I don't. Yeah. It doesn't bug me at all. I'm like, hell yeah, go drink a party. I think that's one of the biggest, like, not to sound pretentious or anything, but I think it's one of the biggest parts of growing up is realizing that you don't need booze to have a good time. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know, funny, Nico told me the other day, you know, we went to a surprise birthday party for his roommate at his new house or something, and I wasn't drinking. And I was just staying. I mean, I was, we were there pretty late. I was just staying, hanging out, partying. He's like, dude, you're like a chameleon. He's like, I forget that you're not drinking. You're just hanging out, having a good time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dude, I don't know. I just like to have a good time. Well, that's, I've, I, I also, I mean, I also enjoy drinking sometimes yeah. too. I definitely will. I mean, in this weekend, I'll indulge in Vegas. Like the- <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I'd hate to say it's American culture because I know, it, I'm sure it's everywhere, but it's very prevalent 
or not prevalent. It's very uh, there's a lot of pressure sometimes, especially if you're young and you're especially the especially o- if you're young. You're the only person at the party not drinking, and it's like, why aren't you drinking? Or if you're not drinking enough, right? I yeah. Say, why are you? Hey, bro, you babysitting that? You fucking pussy. Yeah, and I, and I, I could be. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Like when I'm drinking, like, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> babysitting, like you said, I'll do the same thing. But you know, you don't got to. There's a lot of people who won't like. Yeah. Dude, Nick, when he doesn't want to drink, you don't feel like it. We'll drink. He'll be like, haha. <laughs> Just won't even entertain the idea, but I guess just getting older, like you yeah, said. Yeah, and it's just, and I think the, uh, it's like, I hate saying that I'm old when I'm 26. I know 26 is not old. I'm 27. I feel old. But you're, you're, starting, like, you're starting to feel it a little bit. I feel it a little. Last year I was coaching. Dude, they were calling me old man. Like I coach at a Trisco, I coach wrestling, assistant volunteer when I, when I have time. Yeah, that's another thing I add to time. One of them was calling me old man. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm the young cool coach, right? Right? I guess not. Holy shit. That's funny. Well, like, and then for me, like, this is, like, maybe this is a personal thing, but like nine times out of ten when I get out of a seat, I make a sound. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. It's like, oh, shit. Instead of making is, the dad noises. Uh-huh. Exactly. Well, it's like. I don't know, man. I the effects of alcohol are starting to set in a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, oh eat, yeah. Like, I eat. mean, it's literal poison. It's the worst, right. worst thing you could do to your body is drink. It is, and that's yeah. coming from someone who loves to drink sometimes. But it's in moderation now. Well, I mean, it's recorded. You know what I mean? That's like actual data. Like that is the worst thing you can do to your body. But it's so celebrated. <laughs> and then things like marijuana is illegal federally. Yeah, like. Yeah, that doesn't make sense for me. Like, oh, and I, mean, it, I know I don't like smoking. I'm not a smoker. I had like one year where I like smoke. I don't. I don't like smoking. I don't enjoy it. But all my friends just smoke. Hell yeah, dude. That's way better than drinking. Still, I mean, well, see, and it makes perfect sense to me because again, it's it's like a part of me says it's tinfoil hat. The other part of me knows that it's fact. It's like talking a little bit earlier about the uh, making making somebody a uh, permanent patient. You know what I mean? If you if you legalize marijuana. I'm not a numbers guy, so I'm, I might be pulling this out of my ass. <laughs> but if I just had to throw a dart at the at a dartboard, I'd say like thirty to forty percent of opioid usage goes away. Yeah, dude, opioids. Talk about that stuff. That's if I that's can, all. If, that's all on purpose. <laughs> well, well, it goes away, and they don't but, want it to go away. They don't want the opioid crisis to go away. Exactly, you created the opioid crisis. Ex- exactly, <laughs> you start and you start curing patients, patients that would have been with you until they fucking die. Yeah. And I, I never understood how strong that shit is until I had my hernia surgery, because dude, like I've I had done done. I've taken <laughs> oxycodone, I think. Or oxycontin, one of the two. Yeah. Years and years ago, when I got my wisdom teeth removed. That's when I, I think that's the only time I've taken oxy. And, like, and it made me sick as fuck. It made me like horribly sick to my stomach for like 30 minutes. And then I passed out for six hours. And I had like an amazing nap. But um, that was a fucking horror show, too, because they had, they had taken my wisdom teeth out, right? Did you get all of yours taken out at once? Uh, just one. Mm. So they I, didn't put me under, though. They were just yanking on it, just numbed the shot. And all... The fuck? Fuck! I'm like, it's just supposed to hurt, but it doesn't hurt. It feels weird. Did you go to Mexico, bro? <laughs> no, it was here. Fuck! I think I think my dad made me pay for it myself. I think I got it when I was like 19 or 20. <laughs> and, he's, and he was like, "Yeah, you're not going under. I'm not paying for it." I was like, oh, okay, it won't be bad. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, so <laughs> they put my ass under, and they took out all four. But um, that's fine. It's my fucking stand-up comedy app telling me to write jokes. <laughs> um, so. 
they put me under. They do the they do the operation. I come through and they they wheel me away. Right as I'm going home, my mom asked me a question and I open my mouth to speak and just blood. Yeah, fuck ton of blood. And so, um, but uh, and like the, one of the she thought it was like one of some of the gods had come loose, so she helps me put it back in and it stopped for a little bit. We got back to the house and I, I'm laying or I'm like propped up in bed, right? So I'm at like a like a 60 degree angle or some shit. And, um, they, or my mom helps me take out my, my gauze and just fucking pool blood starting to come out. And she's like, what the shit? So she calls the doctor's office. She's like, Hey, you fucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you fuck up my son's stitches? Like what's going on? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. Bleeding happens. Uh, just go ahead and put more gauze in there. And, uh, if it doesn't call, if it doesn't, uh, like, go down in 15 minutes, let us know. I'm like, all right. They're like, all right, sounds good. Put more gauze in there. Gauze gets filled up in, like, fucking 45 seconds. Like, no shit. Just filled. So she calls him back. Like, hey, you fucks. Uh, <laughs> the gauze is now used. All of it. The roll of gauze you gave us, it's fucking gone. What do we do? And they were like, oh. See, they're on speaker. I'll never forget this. They're like, oh. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to happen. It's <laughs> like, well, bitch. The sky's blue and water's wet. Like, are we just saying, like, obvious things to each other now? And so they're like, hey, do you have any Lipton uh, tea bags? And she's like, yeah. She's like, okay. Put the tea bags in the back of his mouth. They're very absorbent. If that doesn't work, bring them, bring him back. We might have fucked up the stitches. Holy shit. If? It's like, bro, why not just tea bags are the solution? Why not just go? Thankfully, the tea bags worked. But, oh, they did? Okay, mm-hmm. at least. Thankfully, it worked. But, but... I just remember how sick it made me. So I was like, okay. Like, I've never been, like, a drug person ever. Like, I've taken... I, I can say this on camera now. I've taken mushrooms every now and again. And then... Oh, that feels so free. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then... But I've, I've stayed away from everything else. You know what I mean? Like, I smoke, smoke, like, a bit of weed here. And I smoke it a bit now, now that I'm out of the military. And yeah. Like, a couple hits before bed. And I sleep like a... Dude, I have been getting <laughs> legit... There's been a couple of nights where I haven't gotten the best sleep. But, like, dude... The week and a half, almost two weeks I've been out of the military has been some of the best sleep of my life. Like, no question. Oh, I forgot that was recent, huh? That yeah. Was, we were talking about it at the Bullet concert. Mm-hmm. Super fucking recent. And so now, but like, I'm oh, sorry. I've never been like a drug guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've never really taken, like. like I, I, wouldn't never... take, I wouldn't even take ibuprofen. So it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, isn't that the most you know, like inflammatory thing you can fucking like? Yeah, it's like a temporary, one of the most... temporary solution that makes it worse, kind of. Right. This no, exactly. To sum it up, kind of. Well, and that's the big. That's a big issue. Like, if you want to talk about like, military culture, that's some of the biggest issue with uh, like field care, pretty much. Like, if you're out in a training exercise or whatever it is, the medics. I mean, granted, they're not given a whole lot of equipment anyway, but they just fucking throw all they have. Like, yeah, take some fucking ibuprofen, just deal with it till we get back to the. That's like everyone. Oh, you have a hangover? Drink an ibuprofen. Oh, take an ibuprofen. Oh, do this. Take an ibuprofen. It's like, no, don't take an yeah. ibuprofen. Hydrate. Drink some water. Get some eat. Fuck- get some sunlight. Electrolytes in your system. Get some vitamins. Some minerals. Because it was funny. Actually, a video came up. I don't know what social media app, but a video would come up about hangovers today and i guess like the big reason aside from your liver overacting because of how much booze you're putting in your body and you can't uh, metabolize it quick enough or process it quick enough um when you're doing that you're typically not drinking enough water and while the and while the alcohol is just draining your system you're losing a shit ton of minerals and a shit ton of electrolytes so your body's just freaking the fuck yeah, out you're dehydrated and yeah. you lack of sleep but anyway never been a drug guy 
And so when I took those for the first time, I was like, okay, I'm definitely staying away from pills because my body hates that. Not going to do it. Um, flash forward to my hernia surgery in May, dude, they got, and I, I was like, I wasn't super nervous until like the day came and I was like, Oh God, I'm about to get surgery. What if they fucking kill me? You know, like, that's where my brain yeah. goes like immediately, you know? So they got me, I stripped down, I fucking put my gown on, I lay in the bed and they, and very, I just, before I start talking shit a little bit, very nice nurses, super nice nurses, but <laughs> they got me and they're about to do the IV. And they were like, would you prefer the IV? And because I've got like, especially like when you've got the fucking strap on, like I've got fucking, I've got fucking pretty prominent veins. So they're like, you've got good veins will be an easy stick. Do you want it in your, like the crease of your elbow or do you want it like on your hand? And I was like, fuck it. We'll do the hand. Because I've had the hand before. Never really bothered me. But like, because my brain hates needles so much. If I get a needle like an IV in my, uh, I don't know what the fuck this is like your, uh, like the inside yeah. elbow, whatever. Right. My, my body wants me to do this until it's out because <laughs> I am so scared that if I move or if I do anything, it's going to fuck with it. So I, I'm like this the whole time. Right? So I don't want to be uncomfortable. It's like 40 minutes till the surgery. I'll do the hand. I've done it before. It's fine. I'm like, okay. So they were aiming for like right here. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll just lay like that. That's cool. Whatever. They're aiming for right here, right, right, like above the wrist, dude. She sticks me with that fucking needle, and it just goes into my fucking wrist, like it just goes in and misses the vein. So bad. I've had people miss my veins, and I'm pretty vascular. How do you miss? I could get that. I think, dude, misses my fucking vein, and I just looked at her, and I was like. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, she's like 50 something years old, motherly type, you know what I'm very nice. And 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 she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, that really hurt. Please take it out. And so she, and she takes it like, fuck. And she's like, Yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm like, no, it's it, it's fine. That just really hurt. Just, you know, give me some reset me again. That really fucking hurt. And I felt so bad because she, she's like, I because where I was, like the the nurse's desk was like really like maybe 10 feet away from my bed. And, uh, she was back. She's like, I, I don't know how the fuck I missed a vein on a 26 year old healthy guy. What the fuck? But they're like, I mean, it stuck me, whatever. But my point is, so they stick me in, they're wheeling me into the operating room. And I start freaking the fuck out a little bit. I'm like, Oh shit. Oh shit. And they're like, Hey, like, are you feeling okay? Are you, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, no, you're not. That's fine. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give you a little bit of volume to calm you down. I'm like, all right, sounds good. I remember like thinking to myself, I'm like saying my fucking prayers, dude. I'm like, God, please don't kill me. Please let me live. I have cool things I want to do. I don't want to die. The volume hits me. Dude, that shit was so strong. I prayed differently. <laughs> I was like, yeah, God, we got this. No, we're we're good. good. Oh my God, we're good. And then I wake up. Um, after surgery and dude, like I was in so much fucking pain, so much fucking pain. And the nurse, uh, like they take me over to where I was going to recover. And the nurse is there and she's like, Hey, you know, how are you feeling? Are you in any pain? And I've got like the breathing tube still in my throat. I'm like, yeah, I'm in fucking pain. And she's like, okay, we're going to give you, uh, some fentanyl. 
And I was, and I, fr- I'm like, yeah, what? I'm all That's fucked. Not what I would be like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm all fucked up coming off anesthesia. But I'm like, oh, what, what? But dude, I didn't even have time to process. I'm getting fentanyl, and it hit me so fast. It is obviously it's like it's it's intravenously, so it's gonna hit you a lot quicker than any other method. I'm assuming, but dude, when I tell you that I felt nothing, I felt. Nothing. That's wild. You see how highly addictive that shit is. Dude, I was fucking. I was flabbergasted. And as I'm like coming, I come to at this point, I'm literally, my body felt like TV static. Like I just felt like it was nothing there. And I asked her, I was like, hey, uh, I know that like this is a medical facility and you're doing safe things, but like, why is this fentanyl good for me? Like, why yeah. is this okay to give me? And she was like, because we gave you such a low dosage, it's just going to numb the pain. And I was like, how much did you give me? And she's like, 100 micrograms. And for my more educated friends that I asked questions to, I guess that is like such an infinitely smaller amount than you could ever get on the street that like it's controlled at that point. Huh. You know what I mean? And then like, fuck, dude, this was like maybe three years ago. I was work or two years ago, I was working at a uh, this one caregiving company. Fucking horrible, horrible field that, I, that for me anyway, horrible field. But, but I uh, remember we had this one of these guys in our in our homes that we cared for, and he was buying fentanyl off the streets. And dude, like they call him blues. Like <laughs> of one, a yeah, one little fucking pill was like fifty cents a dollar. That's insane. Yeah. If you look at the crisis; it's crazy right now. Yeah. yeah. Go down like well, right right there in Bay's Eubank and Central. It's bad. And you drive down Central Louisiana, it's even worse. It's a fucking war zone. Literally a war. It's literally the war zone. Yeah. yeah. So on a lighter subject, you mentioned your girlfriend a lot, and we're I, I think about I want to get your opinion on this. We're living in a time now where like, like words are losing meaning. You know what I mean? Like really like, like very powerful words like. Racist, like a racist, a fascist, misogynist. Oh People say that and don't even know what they're saying. Exactly, like they're losing a communist, socialist, all these ist or isms. You know what I mean? They're losing Anything their they meaning. Disagree with. <laughs> exactly, and some people would say, and I don't agree with this, that. Your girlfriend supporting you in the way that she does. I mean, I see it in real time. Oh, like, yeah, I yeah. See, well, like, you see us. We hang out sometimes. Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. Like, obviously, I haven't seen her fucking make you food. But, yeah. like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I see the way you two interact. And yeah. she's, like, the definition of supportive girlfriend. Oh, you know, 100%. You, you know what I mean? What's up, dude? Um. So, what, like... Oh, it's a sneeze. I was like, the fuck? Oh. <laughs> I was like, what <laughs> um, So, some people... And, again, I disagree with this wholeheartedly. Some people look at this and say, oh... Uh, she makes his. She makes dinner. Does this and this? That's misogyny. That's bullshit. That's yeah. On the lighter side of that, like, how important, especially with something that you're doing, like fighting, which is so intensive, it's so time consuming. It's we talked a little earlier. It's you have to be fucking obsessed with it. It takes all of your time. How important and how, um, how much of a positive impact is it that you have such a supportive person in your life, let alone they're your your partner? Oh yeah, dude, I'm blessed. It's it's awesome. I mean, it's it's it's. I'm pretty lucky to have what I have. But I mean, I also I do things for her. Like I mean, yeah. we, we do things for each oh, other. It's we give we no. give to each other. It's just our relationship works out pretty good. We have a balance between 
we're going on our fourth vacation this year, you know. We've been to Arizona, went to watch my friend get married in Missouri. We've been we're going to Vegas again. We did something else too. We're, oh, just my fight, I guess, in Cortez, Colorado. But we we pretty much just do everything everything together. I bet she's texting me right now. It's like, where you at? Where you at? How much longer? I miss, I miss you. I miss you. Not being annoying, just like just right. say just tell him just tell me that she misses me. It's, right. it's cute. It's our relationship works out real well. She likes. I love how she loves to cook too. We bought we bought her a KitchenAid, dude, and she been making homemade bread. Oh, so good. I mean, I even get the organic unbleached flour, of course, avocado oil, or grass fed butter if anything she makes. But it's been nice. She, she, she has. I mean, it's. And men and women have their roles, and that's true. I mean, I'm I'm a pretty godly person, but they both have their roles. Like, cool, the man could be the head of the household, but the woman turns it which way, whichever way it wants. I mean, right. it's they each have their roles. She's not gonna go out there and go whoop this dude's ass. I mean, that's my job. But I can't comfort her the way she comforts me. I mean, men and women have their roles for a reason. I mean, it's very simple. It's, I mean, it's pretty human nature. I don't know how a lot of people get it confused nowadays, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I agree, and that's. And that's um, no, that's something I agree with wholeheartedly. And so, for you, like cause again, a lot of these things are—I wouldn't say up in the air, but they're just being debated in ways they shouldn't be, in my opinion. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yes. So, what is your version? What is your point of view on what it means to be like traditionally masculine? And then you brought up that you that there's, that there's religion has a place in your life. Yeah. What is traditionally masculine masculine to you? And then when you add God on top of that, what does it I mean the term like godly man, right? It's yeah, a very yeah. common one, right? Yeah. What does that mean to you as well? It means a lot. I have have not been a good Christian. I mean I need to go to church more, but I mean I still I'm very rooted in my beliefs. And the masculinity thing you're talking about, I mean, just being there to support your I mean, girlfriend, wife, kids, I mean just being there, being I have a great role role model in my dad. This is the best dude that in the freaking world. Like, that dude is like he didn't even have he supported our whole family when my mom was able to stay home and work. And he was just like a carpenter at the time. And he was never made us feel like we didn't have money. He he would like I hear him telling stories now sometimes like if it was whether to buy James a toy or eat like or go out that weekend, it, James would get a toy and like he made, it would make me feel. And I never realized when I was young that it was even like that. Like he just. I just have such a good role model, so so many good male role models in my life that I'm just trying to be like them. Like if I'm eventually me and my girl we want kids, I mean if I'm half the father my dad was to me, then I'm doing amazing. Like holy shit, I'm doing good. Like I'm pretty blessed in that aspect. I'm blessed to have a good mom too, and they both had their different roles. I mean, just trying to emulate that a little bit. And as you are growing up, and you know, sooner rather than later, you be going into your 30s, and you look back at your childhood, how. How much of an impact will it not only have a good father, but to have male role models in general in your life? Oh, man, I think it's the biggest thing. I think that's and one I'm, of the biggest downfalls. Go ahead, I'm just going to check the cameras. I think that's one of the biggest downfalls in our society today is the lack of male role models, lack of a father in a family. Like, dude, little kids need a daddy, just like little kids need a mother, too. They're both as important to each other. They both give their own roles, and they both help each other out. I'm blessed to have had both those. My girlfriend didn't really have a dad step up in her life and stuff. And she, but she's freaking, it's also not an excuse either. She didn't have the role model. She has a great job, great career, great life. She hasn't used that as an excuse. She's used it as a reason to work harder and not depend on people. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to have a male role model. It's not the end. It's, it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty damn important. <laughs> so why, and you started saying that a little bit earlier. So why do you think the lack of a male, of male role models kind of, 
it's, I wouldn't say it's the whole reason, but it's a pretty damn big, a one, big one that yeah. we're seeing the deterioration of the Western of our Western society. You know what I mean? So oh, why yeah. do you, why do you think that is? Why do I think? Why do you think that like a big reason for that is the? I mean, what divorce rates are at like sixty eight seventy percent, right? And then uh, especially in like uh, black Mexican and black oh, yeah. like minority yeah. families, you have a lot of single motherhood. Higher, yeah, right. So. Why do you think the lack of a father is a father or a, a strong male role model in a household is a an element of society not going the right way? Yeah, I mean it's just nice to have a example, pretty much a male example, someone who's there, someone who like like my dad, he was there, he would work his ass off, and he would take care of us, and he would put he put us above everything. There was nothing like when I was in youth sports, I would be able to do anything I wanted. I was able to as long, but he also taught me that some like great lessons in life too like to if you're starting something you never quit it you know like that and to never lie never cheat like i mean i've taken those and pretty damn honest like you talk to me if you find anyone that could call me a liar then i want you to find them but it's, it's, i'm not not a perfect man i mess up i've done a lot of dumb stuff but i mean i just having a good example in my life i know has helped me i guess well, and that's I guess, when and I see people that don't have that. Like, even when I help my, my friends, like in high school, some of them didn't have dads and stuff. I'm like, yo, let's come over because he coached a lot of dudes in Yaffle in my freshman year of high school. So they're oh, he's like, Coach Romero, Coach Romero. And they would always, she's like, oh, your dad's so cool, your dad's so cool. I'm like, yeah, dude, my dad's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's one of my favorite quotes from Jordan Peterson is um, you can't all, like, it is impossible to 100% tell the truth, but never lie. Because we don't know everything. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. You, you don't know the That's answer a, to everything. No. You know what I mean? But you also have, you do have the ability to not lie. Yeah. So, and I think that's a good, like, it's that. And then uh, another one of his that I like is you never get away with anything. And if you think you are getting away with something, take a holistic look at your life. Is everything going as well as it should or as it could be? Are you everything that you could be? Probably not. What are you doing that people don't know about that you know is taking away from your life? And I think a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of the self-accountability things, if you put that into like the public conversation, you looked at as a bigot, you looked at as like a to like toxic masculinity. Yeah, I don't That's even worry about that stuff. <laughs> the other stuff the world says now, eh, I, I don't really care. <laughs> well, and you, and you shouldn't. You know what I mean? You shouldn't at all. But I And you bring up a good point that not only did you have a good father – you had other male role models to look up to oh, as yeah, like, well. I mean, my, his father, my mom's dad. I mean, other all my uncles, all the other like, just a lot of great male role models in my life that instilled mostly hard work, a lot of hard work. Do you have siblings? I have two younger sisters. Okay, and your how many siblings does your dad have? Um, he had two brothers and a sister. No, he just, was the baby. He was the young one. And I just asked because, like, I mean. Uh, my dad's side of the family, um, that's the Mexican side of my family. And fuck, my, I think my dad has, I mean, I haven't seen his side of the family in a very long time and certainly haven't seen his ass in a long time. But uh, he has like, like three or four brothers and then two sisters, three sisters. So like big, Love big, big like, family. You're very traditional, like big Mexican yeah. household. You know what I mean? And I just I, I bring that up for reference because that's that's how until like 50, 70 years ago, that's how humans lived by and large. It was in big families, but small communities. And so the kids that were getting raised, like they were getting raised by the community, right? It's a community of like 
two to three hundred, four hundred people. Everyone knew each other. Yeah. Everyone was involved with each other's lives for better or worse, but you know, everyone knew each other. And there was a lot like information wise as a kid, although you don't know it consciously, you're absorbing information you're absorbing life lessons you're getting all this guidance from multiple sources that are generally positive generally because everyone in that small community is able to keep each other in check and i think like as like after like the industrial revolution and the boom after world war ii just like the like the metropolis like the, the the and this isn't a word, but like the metropolization of America, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You could have told me that it was a word. <laughs> just these big cities popping. I was like, oh shit! I don't know if this is the best for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's downsides to that, of course. But I don't know, man. It's it's good to. I I think it's a good thing to put out because a lot of people need to hear like that. This is why, you know, having both sides of the coin. You know, having both a mom and a dad, having these positive influences, even if you don't have a mom or a dad, but just having like strong yeah, role yeah. models in your life, you know, that's why that's so important on your upbringing. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and even if you do have a bad upbringing, it's nice to see the people that don't use it as an excuse and grow up to be great people. So. Yeah. Well, because I, I mean, I use that for an excuse for a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because my dad, uh, he, he kicked me out of because my parents got divorced when I was like three or four, I think. Four? Yeah, I was no. Like I was three going into four, I think, around there. And uh they split, dad stayed around for a little bit, kicked me out of the house when I was like seven ish, six or seven. And then um I reached out to him when I was like sixteen, seventeen ish, because at the time no, I was seventeen. Because at the time I was joining I was trying to join the army. And uh that was during the Obama administration, and I've got really shitty eyesight. And they were like cutting down the military funding and all that stuff. So it didn't end up happening. But then I uh, came back at 17 and then left again when I was like, I was 19 turning 20. That sounds about right. Because I was just graduating college. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and I remember, I remember being being younger like that and using that as an excuse. You know, it's like, oh, well, my life isn't going as good or I'm not where I want to be or I don't have this or this but just fabricated bullshit you know what i mean well, sure, i had everything raised perfectly right in every opportunity and i still didn't do what i should have like in school and stuff in college back but i mean i've learned a lot now but i mean right i felt i felt like a dumbass because i had everything yeah and i still wasn't making the right choices by like classes and stuff you know right and, and that's not just being a dumb kid and learning yeah like that, that. that's you pretty much what, I mean? what it was yeah now i've got Got a pretty good sense, pretty good sense of myself. So one thing that I do want to close on, if you want to talk about it, because I got, because I had a pretty interesting conversation with Nico about it, um, especially with what happened recently, but just in general, how, how do I, how do, I'm trying to word this properly. How do you process and move through loss in your life? That's a good one right now. Cause obviously Garrett, you know, is our best friend, my best friend. It's, it's. It's hard. It's this is one that hit me harder than anything. Like I had like other closest death was like my grandpa and my tata. Like that was most seeing my mom and dad sad. They were they were older, you know, like they lived a full life. But someone someone close to you that passes away it still hurts. I still pass by the gym sometimes. I'm not a big crier, but dude, I got I even get a little teary eyed thinking yeah. about it. So how do I process it? I just I just try to live every day through him. I mean that's what, I wear this hoodie. He gave me this this hoodie before I walked out for my first fight this year. 
So against, yeah, so he, he's like, oh, dude, I got the Legion hoodie for you. He's like, it's one of a kind. It's the Wu-Tang thing. He's like, let me see if I can find it. And then he couldn't find it for weeks. The night before the fight, he's like, dude, I found it. So I met up and got it. So that's why I, I walk out with this hoodie every, every amateur fight for Garrett, too. So I just try to live as, as they would, in a sense, learn from their mistakes and just appreciate all the good times that you've ever had with someone. And don't, especially if they're like a good, happy person, you don't want to be like moping around all the time. They wouldn't want that. But it is nice to appreciate them. Sometimes take moments of your day just to sit there, damn, appreciate it, or even talk about it with someone, you know? No, that's a really good way to put it. Um, yeah, that's that's what I've had to find myself doing as well is, because, I mean, obviously, as you're, like, closer to it, like, time-wise, like, it's the first week after, month, however long, where it's like, okay, yeah, allow yourself to kind of yeah. feel the negative stuff. But then I have you found that, as time has gone on, you reflect more in positive emotion than anything else. Oh, 100%. I'm not just maybe being, I'm a super positive guy. Coming from Garrett one time, he told me they were all camping, drinking, partying, and I actually had a fight coming up. So I wasn't drinking or anything. He's like, damn, dude, if they, if they had like, if they had a power up like Super Mario Bros in real life, I would ask to be James. He's just always happy, man. <laughs> so that's hearing that from him and thinking about it now, him. So. Just try to be more like that. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe I'm overly overly positive, stupid. It bugs people sometimes. I don't stress. I don't stress about anything. My girlfriend would get mad at me. My dad would go, why aren't you stressed? You're not doing this. You're not doing this. Like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be all right. <laughs> just just be happy through it. Maybe I'm one of a kind, they say. But no. I, I don't know. It's, I like, I, I'm not going to change. The world needs more energy <laughs> like that, dude. That's fucking awesome. Seriously, like, the, especially today, the world needs yeah. more energy like that. And I agree. It's like, hey, like, it's a... I think it's uh, Jim Carrey said it during his speech. It's like, you know, obviously this is generally speaking. Uh, if it's not okay, then it's not over yet. It's going to be okay. It's just not done yet. So I think, no, I think it's a good way to put it, man. Listen, this has been a fucking blast. Yeah, thanks, I man. have been looking forward to sitting down with you for a while. So thank you very excited. Again, I know your time is valuable. Oh, so yeah, no. I really appreciate you coming through, man. <laughs> of course. Uh, keep me updated whenever yeah. a fight does come around. Hopefully soon. Maybe next one will be out of state. But next, early next year, we'll have another fight world. And I'm sure my coach will do everything to get me matched on it. So we'll see. Fuck yeah. And hey, if it's if it's within a 300-mile radius, I'll be able to make it. So Hell yeah. Well, love, I'll let you know. I'd love to see you fucking put a clinic on somebody, dude. Yes, sir. Well, thank you again, man, for coming. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Oh, where can people fucking find you on social media oh, to follow at you? James is a beast. J A M E S I S U H H B E A S T. Had to think about that one. <laughs> follow this dude. He's fucking going places. And um, I'm not expecting ringside seats at UFC, but I'll take some nosebleeds. You know oh, what I, I mean? I got you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man, for doing this again. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Oh.